Tonight's Game of Thrones recap is sponsored by Plated. Everybody knows here at Post Show Recaps, we take food very seriously. And by the time I'm finished with lunch, I like to think about what's for dinner. And I'm very excited when the answer is Plated because they've got 15 chef design recipes to choose from. This week, you could be creating black bean burritos in your very own kitchen or saucy meatball sliders and a whole bunch of other good stuff that you get to pick out. Because Plated does all the grocery shopping for you and they send you the exact amount of each ingredient. They're sourcing out quality ingredients like artisanal mayo that they've got in its own jar. How about some Malaysian fish curry and lamb shakshuka from Morocco? They've got dishes from all over the globe. Not to mention dessert if you got a sweet tooth like no churn coffee ice cream and cinnamon rolls. So discover your ideal dinner experience. Go to plated.com slash post to get 50% off your first plated box. That's 50% off for a limited time only. Terms apply. See plated.com slash post for details. That's at plated.com slash post. Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 6 is over, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Live post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who did say, we did first guess, this was not a good plan. I'm Rob Sestrino, here is Stephen Fishback. Stephen, how are you? Wow, what an episode. What a crazy, huge episode. You know, you have said on the record, Rob, that if there were a battle that involved White Walkers and Dragons, that would immediately take the place as the greatest battle in the history of the series. Do you stand by that? Um, probably not. In terms of a of an actual battle scene, I I had chills, not like Jon Snow under the water, but I certainly yeah. was on the edge of my seat. I was in the zone of like I was unable to type any notes at that point. But in terms of ranking the all time battles, I'm not sure that this is one. But Stephen. A lot to discuss here tonight with the penultimate episode of this Game of Thrones season seven. Steven, uh, how are you doing? Okay. Are you shook? I'm shook. I'm shook. I, I like you, was, you know, white knuckling, white walker knuckling on the uh, edge of my seat the entire episode. I thought this was such a beautiful episode to begin with, this gorgeous northern landscape. Very hard to make things out, but I think that was part of the appeal. And this incredibly tense standoff on this frozen lake between this, this group and, and the whites. Uh, and, and this question of who lives, who dies? Well, it turns out not that many people died, actually. Yeah, it was unfortunately Thoros of Mir and a lot of red shirts and a dragon. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know who had that on their bingo card, but, uh, you know, not necessarily the human body count that we were expecting, uh, probably one higher dragon count that we were expecting. So a lot to break down. Let me just set the table here tonight. Steven and I are live here on Be Live on Facebook, so you can leave us your questions and comments we can answer those right now also i'll have my deep dive with josh wiggler with he has a very busy day at the hollywood reporter uh, he was texting me before he has uh, seven interviews tomorrow with game of thrones uh 
uh, associated people. So he will have a lot to break down as well from this episode. And then we'll do our feedback show later on in the week. So get your feedback questions into us and we will address those on Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. All right, Stephen, uh, to me, this was sort of like we had the breathless stuff going on at Eastwatch tonight. And then we had the Aria and Sansa melodrama happening at the same time. One thing was transcendent. The other thing was like, why, why don't these two sisters just talk to each other? Just hug it out. Just hug it out. Well, you got a little finger in the middle. You know, he's he's lurking in the shadows, you know, try, uh, stirring the pot. OK, well, I don't want to talk about the part of the episode that I wasn't as crazy about, but let's talk about everything. <laughs> yeah, let's with the good stuff. Let, let's yeah. let's let's start with the good stuff. And, uh, you know, the, a real epic episode tonight with everything going on with that group of seven, the Magnificent Seven, that was North of the Wall. I really, I loved just like the buildup in this episode yes. that there were so many like uh, you know, uh, walk and talk type moments uh, with uh, like a, you know, different pairings of characters. I could have watched that all night. Just like, uh, you know, two by two like, okay, uh, let's see the Hound and Jorah for a little bit. Let's let's see, you know, Gendry and uh, well, not, not so much Gendry, but but uh, let's see, let's see, John and, and this person. Let's say, you know, I, I was fascinated. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, my favorite was probably John and Barrick and, you know, Barrick's great speech about how death is the enemy. But even though and even though we always lose to the enemy, we have to keep fighting. And then, of course, the amazing pairing with uh, the Hound and Torment. Yeah, that Tormund was great. Is, uh, yeah, waxing eloquent about about Brienne. Yeah, that was all really uh, fantastic. But Stephen, I guess let, let's uh, start with our top story at this hour. Uh, Viserion the dragon is no longer on the team of the living and has no. been reincarnated as a white dragon. As an undead zombie dragon. Now, is the Night's King going to ride this undead zombie dragon? Hard to say, but no matter what, you know, we've always kind of imagined that these dragons are these sort of ultimate weapons for the humans, and now the bad guys have one. Yes. Now, can a uh, ice dragon shoot ice? How does that work? I'm guessing we're going to get some sort of like frost breath. Frost uh, breath. You know? That's yeah. my guess is there will be a frost breath scenario. Right. So my theory with the ice dragon is that I feel like that we end up getting the ice dragon. Forget, you know, the north and everything going on there. I think ice dragon goes right to King's Landing. Oh, you think he's just they're, they're going they're going straight in. Yeah. I think next week we have all of our characters, everybody in the show heading down to King's Landing. I expect Knight's King on Ice Dragon to come riding wow. in as well. well. Watch out for those crossbows. Yeah, well, they, they, that would be good. <laughs> They're like, wait, do we have another one of those? Do we have another crossbow in stock? That would be good. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? I mean, uh, the Ice Dragon is going to be pretty valuable. I mean, you got two regular dragons still on the Danny side of things. But I mean, what does the Knight's King need with an Ice Dragon? I mean, I guess the the... the crucial thing about an ice dragon is that an ice dragon can go over the wall maybe i mean so far like as, you know in the lore right whites and white walkers can't cross the wall because of magic not just because of height and the wall is still up so it's not clear how they're going to exactly get across the wall 
in it, or if that'll even be like part of the rules of the game. But I guess we'll see, right? We've seen whites at least on both sides of the wall. The whole whole plan hinges on a white being on the other side of the wall. So uh, I guess it's possible that the ice dragon will go, will fly over the wall. And yeah, uh, straight to King's Landing. That doesn't seem like the Knights King style. He seems like the more like slow, tre- slow advance with my huge army. Um, but, uh, you know, you're calling your shot and I respect that. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, we saw how the ice grizzly bears work in this episode. I don't know who was expecting that. Uh, we'll see what the ice dragon can do. So what are you thinking that the dragon now that they'll use it to sort of like bash the wall? Like, could they he be like carrying some sort of like a battering ram to start taking down the wall? I guess so. I mean, I'm more thinking that this is when it comes to the actual big battles. You've got this dragon on dragon episode. But I mean, I guess you're thinking much more tactically than I am, you know, in terms of how to use this dragon more strategically at at key moments. I mean, for me, the big takeaway for this dragon death was this, you know, kills this longstanding fan theory of who are the three dragon riders going to be, right? And there's been this kind of longstanding question. Well, we imagine John is going to ride Rygal because he's Rygar's, uh, Rhaegar's son, excuse me. Uh, and who's going to ride Viserion? And a lot of people have speculated that it's Tyrion. You know, there's this whole theory about uh, Tyrion is a Lannister. I'm sorry, is a, is a Targaryen that has, you know, some support in the books based in, uh, based on the color of his hair and, and speculation about whether or not uh, his mother was uh, raped by the Mad King. Um, they, and, and I guess both of got real. Eyes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and now that's that's really not a you know not on the not on the cards anymore. I mean, there's also this this prophecy in the in the books about the dragon having three heads, but it's questionable if that necessarily means that there will be three dragon riders. So anyway, uh, to me, this kind of like ends that speculation of like who is the third Targaryen. It's the Night's King. Yeah, Night's King. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's him. So, Stephen, we ended up with John and his group ultimately getting uh, sort of like uh, landlocked on this little patch of land that was uh, surrounded by ice. And then all of the whites coming to uh, to surround them. And then that's where we spent a better chunk of this episode before Danny was able to uh, come in with the reinforcements. Enforcements. Did you think that more people were going to be a goner from that group? Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, there was a scene where it seemed like Tormund was a goner, right? He had about oh, eight yeah. whites on him, and you know they were dragging him down, they were strangling him, they were attacking him in every way. Somehow he makes that. Were you surprised that Tormund made it out of that? Yeah, I thought he was gone. I mean, I mean, he basically had like three guys on him and like two guys pulling him down into the water. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's uh, you know a wrap for Tormund. And he had some good moments in this final episode, but no. The uh, Hound ended up uh, getting him out of that one. Uh, only, only again, only Thoros. I mean, who were the ones that you were most surprised to see make it out alive? I mean, that Josh Wiggler did a really stellar rankings of like the death odds on everybody above the wall in, or north of the wall in this episode. And yeah, uh, I, th- I think actually he had uh, Beric Dondarrion as the person most likely to die. Uh, uh, and so there was a number of people on that list. I actually did think that uh, we would 
would see a couple more people go out in this episode. But no, it was uh, really just Thoros. And I guess the significance is that Thoros was the one that kept resurrecting Beric Dondarrion. And, uh, you know, he did have that power that there was also some thought that maybe Jon Snow could potentially die again in this adventure and that Beric Dondarrion or that Thoros was going to have to bring him back. It looks like that nobody's coming back. We don't have enough time to lose anybody and bring them back. Well, we also talked about maybe Gendry dying and um, the question that that question. Now, I, I guess Josh Wiggler had made the point, well, you need a smith to create dragon glass weapons that they were certainly in short supply. Uh, this they didn't episode. bring any. No, they had the um, Jorah had some dragon glass daggers, which were incredibly effective. Jorah gets the black fish this episode, this episode for stabbing the uh, the zombie bear with his dragon glass dagger, and which immediately kills that. Yeah, I, I think I mean, I need to rewatch, but I think the hound at some point throws away his sword and kind of pulls out these small weapons, skirmishing weapons, which I assumed were dragon glass as well. So it looked like they had like short implements that were dragon glass. None of the big weapons. They need Gendry. Uh, to make those and of course they needed him for the you know thousand mile sprint that he pulled off yeah record time for gendry uh, making it back to east watch uh, i was you know i saw a lot of people online were complaining about how quickly that happened you know gendry sprints to east watch this raven goes to danny danny's back there with her dragons everyone's you know just like chilling out literally uh, did that bother you, Rob? No, because they got to Eastwatch so quickly in the last episode. I mean, the fact that we're talking about things flying there quicker, uh, that didn't really bother me. If we established that uh, John and his crew could get to Eastwatch from like they were already in Dragonstone and get to Eastwatch by the end of an episode, I figured that Danny and a Raven flying could get there in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah, it didn't bother me. I agree. There have been some fast travels that bothered me. I mean, to me, like, I'm sure if we, you know, we're measuring the flight patterns of a. When we're flying by dragon, I'm never going to complain, but boy, that went. I mean, uh, how many miles is it from Dragonstone to Eastwatch? And then how fast does the dragon fly? I mean, it's conceivable for me. That's like a three hour flight. But you've got to also think Danny's on the dragon. So just like the, w- the force of the wind That's in her weighing face. That's like weighing the dragon. <laughs> I mean, you want yeah, to add another hour of like, flight time there? I mean, I think that. sure they don't blow Danny off. That's you know? not one that bothered me. I mean, I was no, more bothered bother by why did Danny take a boat back when she still had the dragons to ride home? The dragons are grieving for their brother. Is that it? (laughs) She wanted to take the boat and see how Jon Snow was doing. I thought those were nice quarters also on the ship for Jon Snow to recover in. Yeah, they were really nice quarters. You know, the Targaryens, good, good uh, quarters. They did a really really good job there uh, for for Jon Snow as he was uh, recuperating. Um, Did Jon Snow's actions at the end of the episode make sense to you? Which actions? I mean, he basically was trying to execute some sort of an end run to the Night's King where it did not seem like that path was there for him. That everybody is telling him, get on the dragon, let's go, let's get out of here. He really did, as Danny pointed out, you know, all these idiots try to be a hero and they all end up dying. I actually thought that he was just kind of, uh, you know, holding down the... 
the dragon stare, uh, just keep keeping the the whites away from the dragons uh, so long enough for everybody else. And he certainly oh, you feel it. like you know, he, he was like causing a diversion so that they could get away. Yeah, well, just like just like keeping the whites off so everybody else could kind of mount up. I mean, he definitely looked like you know there was that one moment where he's looking right at the Night's King and he sees what he thinks is a path and he's thinking about it. So I definitely think you're right about that. But like to me, like, I I didn't I didn't see him. I didn't see this like mad dash that, that you saw. I didn't think that the hole was there for him to go into. Luckily, and especially after he gets knocked into the water, here comes Uncle Benjin to come in and save the day. Uh, Deuce X of uh, Benjin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Deuce X of X Benjin. Um, the, uh, yeah, that was uh, surprising. I kind of liked that moment, you know, with, uh, I mean, it's a little bit like, whoa, like who, I, I guess they needed someone to magically appear you know, that's a, uh, you know, waving some flaming thing around. I mean, I love that that moment. Did we know? I mean, I think we all knew that that Cold Hands was Benjamin, but did we like really know that or did we just all assume that? I think that we all knew that it was Benjamin. I'm not sure. Did they ever refer to him as Cold Hands in the TV show? I think that in the in oh, the book, not. it's unclear whether it's Benjamin, but you know, it's the same actor that has played him uh, as Uncle Benjamin and in all these iterations. Yeah, I mean, that was, I guess, like a, a good way to kind of wrap up that character, right? Who's just we assume been wandering the the north all this time, uh, or beyond, wandering beyond the wall all this time. Um, were you, were you happy to see Uncle Benjamin? I mean, I thought that that was a real random pull. Like, I feel like, that, I mean, uh, Uncle Benjamin, you really took your sweet ass time getting out here. We really could have used you yesterday. Uh, yeah. but I guess better late than never for Uncle Benjamin. He had other important business to attend to. I mean, it's a pretty like classic Game of Thrones and like general battle scene, you know, device to have the, the last guy, you know, someone charges in at the last minute and save everything. You know, we saw in the Battle of the Bastards uh, with the Knights of the Vale, all, all seemed lost. And then in come the Knights of the Vale. Uh, I'm sure afterwards I'll be whatever nitpicking. But in the moment, it was really fun to see this like guy with the, the flaming balls. just like come knocking, knocking some whiteheads. Yeah. Every single Game of Thrones battle is like a old school Hulk Hogan wrestling match where, <laughs> you know, the Hulkster is just getting his ass beat for like uh, 55 minutes. And then just at the very end, you're like, no, 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 no. And then here's like, the crowd, uh, you know. here's the crowd, a leg drop and and then uh, he ends up pulling off the victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it, they it, always it, it pull works. it out in the end. It's very, it gets very yeah. close though. It's always a, a close call with all these different uh, battles. So, John and Danny at the at the end of the episode, holding hands. Stephen, uh, are we shipping this? I mean, they were on a ship. Yeah. I think you got to. I mean, how are you not shipping this at this point? There have been so many long, lingering glances. You're getting there's more sexual tension here than between Tormund and Brienne. Uh, You're you're having other characters like talking to them about how like many, you know, how much sexual tension there is in the room. Um, You know, we we, we saw uh, Davos had a conversation about it. You know, now we've seen Tyrion have that conversation. So it, it sure seems like this is this is being built up. Yeah, this is definitely being built up and maybe even as quickly as next episode that we start to see them potentially talked about as an item. Uh, he is bending the knee. I thought that was interesting that Tormund was the one saying to him, like, uh, look, you know, Mance Raider could have saved a lot of lives if he would have bent the knee when John started talking to Tormund about how he wasn't planning on bending the knee. And I thought that that was a interesting character development for Tormund. Yeah, Tormund's just broken, you know, from his like formerly free folk self. He's now just, you know, whatever, like I'll submit to anybody. Yeah. 
What? Yeah, whatever. As long as I can get back to Brianne, that's fine. Yeah. I'm cool with that if I could. So, yeah, John ultimately is bending the knee, and it looks like that we have an official Stark Targaryen alliance, even though uh, John uh, still has to find out that business, which you have to assume is going to come next week, right? About John's review, John finding out that he's actually a Targaryen. Right. I mean, if it doesn't happen next week, it's pretty annoying. You know, I mean, it's, we've been waiting for a long time for, for this like revelation to happen. I mean, yeah, not for anything with Bran. I mean, it's it's sort of annoying uh, just to touch on Sansa and Arya to have sort of like this big misunderstanding between the two sisters, yet their brother is all-knowing and all-seeing and really could just sort of like squash this beef if he had like five minutes. But they're like, oh, he's weird now. Yeah. Uh, he can't. Yeah. But he somehow isn't, he doesn't have the ability to get them both in a room. It's like, yeah, I know you're both plotting to potentially, you know, you're, there's like threats going on. Let's just all get on the same page. Let me tell you what she was dealing with. Let me tell you what she was dealing with and sort of be able to mediate the whole thing. That, that That's frustrating. To yeah, me. I mean, the, you know, clearly these star kids are not great on communication uh whether they're talking or they're not talking conflict is brewing yeah i don't even know why they got brand to winterfell if they were just going to get him there and not do anything with him and he has the ability to see everything and he's just not talking to anybody about what he's seeing what's the point of brand even being back at winterfell i agree i mean that was i was kind of uh i think we've all been so excited for brand to come to, to winterfell for finally all these big revelations to happen for the Stark kids to be all together. And it has been frustrating in that way. I mean, I think Bran is an endgame player, right? Like whatever power Bran has as the, as the sure. Red Raven is really going to be as it's most impactful when it's like used against the Night's King, is used against the White Walkers. Uh, but it really is frustrating. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. We're, we've just been waiting for this for so long. It just seems like he could wrap up this whole beef with the two of them. If one of them would just say to him, like, have you noticed that uh, that Ari is acting a little weird? Have you noticed Sansa's acting a little weird? And then he could say, well, uh, let me look into this. Oh, actually, you know, Sansa's being uh, sold a bill of goods by Littlefinger, actually, uh, right now. Uh, we really need to do something about that. Or vice versa. Or, hey, Sansa, you know who's really uh, not looking out for your best interest? Littlefinger. Uh, that guy, you can't trust that guy. Well, so should we talk? So I, I need. I've got to so like. I thought that Littlefinger right was trying to scare. Right, Littlefinger was right trying to scare Sansa about the prospect of Arya in some way doing her harm, and then seemed to be strongly implying, "Oh, Brienne can help you out." Well, then Sansa immediately sends Brienne away to uh, this this you know meeting with Cersei in, in King's Landing. Am, am I confused? Was was Sansa then? Was she before? Was she tricked by Littlefinger? Was she doing Littlefinger's bidding? Like, what? Where's the logic add up there? Yeah, this is a good question, and I myself was confused about it. But I think what was actually going on there is that Littlefinger reminds Sansa, like, boy, if anybody was going to do any harm to their sister, Brienne would intervene. And I do thought it was like, oh, okay, well, she's worried that Arya is going to hurt her, so Brienne is going to be her protector. But it seems like that Sansa and Littlefinger are plotting that they're going to murder Arya, and they needed to get Brienne out of the picture because Brienne is going to protect Arya, yet Littlefinger was there and saw, you know, uh, Arya battling against Brienne. I mean, is... Littlefinger thinking, okay, let me try to get Sansa to murder Arya, but I know Arya is actually a really good fighter and Arya is going to kill Sansa, but you don't think that he would want Sansa to get killed. So 
I, I just I don't that the Littlefinger storyline is I, I mean, I, we never quite know what he's up to, but it's almost not making sense what's going on. Um, I, Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it, it serves Littlefinger's purpose to have Brienne out of Winterfell, right? Because Brienne sure. is someone who has Sansa's best interests at heart is someone else that, you know, who's someone who's watching him basically to stop him from taking advantage of her. The the move of saying, you know, Brienne is here to help you, therefore you should send her away. I hear what you're saying. Like, if you want to kill Arya, you got to send get rid of Brienne. But if that's really what the subtext is, that's a very, very, very subtle subtext. And I didn't see it. And in the after, in you know, in the in the, the after show thing uh, with with D D, they were saying they were seemed to suggest that Littlefinger was trying to make Sansa scared of Arya, not not the other way around. So I, there's a little bit of confusing logic there. Yeah, I think that that has probably been this triangle of we looked so forward to Arya coming back to Winterfell. The Littlefinger Sansa Arya, I think, has really been one of the low points of the season, which has had a lot of exciting moments. But I think that the top of the list of things that are just not jiving, maybe besides the, you know, rapid uh, or, or the decision to go get this plan, this Walker plan to uh, bring her back to Cersei, that might be one. But the Arya Littlefinger, uh, uh, Sansa thing is definitely number two on the list. You know, but I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit because I, I, while I found this plot very frustrating, I did really like that one confrontation um, on the walk between Arya and uh, and Sansa. Yeah, the first scene of the night was really was really good for them. The the you don't know what I've been right. through. No, you don't know what I've been through. I, I, I actually that, that seemed to me that seemed very real to me. Uh, just the part where now where the machinations with Littlefinger are, are, is the thing. Like I understand that there's some some stress there between the two of them, but it just seems to me like things are re- way tougher than they need to be with them. Well, the other thing too is like you know these are these girls have always had dramatically different perspectives. They've always been incredibly different people. And you know our hope is that after they've been through all this chaos and all these traumas, that they would therefore be able to come together as a family. But in fact, in some ways, you know the, the way that they the way that their experiences have shaped them has just kind of hardened and almost uh, magnified some of of their perspectives and uh, and thoughts. Right, Arya, who always wanted to be the the warrior, is now this totally messed up assassin and Sansa who always wanted to play at being a queen is now this like, you know, also this warped conniving kind of evil reality, you know, uh, political mocker. So, you know, they've, they've gone kind of like the dark version of their fantasy selves. They still both have those ideals and those ideals are still very much in conflict. But the fact that either of them is talking about murdering the other one and like actually considering it, it just seems like that's a bridge too far for me, especially. I mean, what has actually transpired between them other than, say, you know, Ari didn't like how Sansa was talking about John when he wasn't around. And then she found this letter that she wrote like six years ago back then and sure she's upset about it but i mean are are we that close to one of them trying to murder the other one yeah no i agree i mean the letter from like many years ago as a device to like then but but you know they don't murder each other right i mean aria while she is creepy he does give sansa the knife back you know yeah what as like as a menacing gesture or to hold on to oh was that a menacing gesture i thought that was i'm not going to kill you with this knife 
Yeah, well, I, I think I'm not going to kill you with this knife is a menacing gesture in itself, other than, you know, when you and I get together, I'm not like holding up weaponry and saying, Stephen, I'm not going to kill you with this. Here, you can hold it. I'm not going to kill you with it. Yeah. I have it. It was yeah. in my room, but I'm not yeah. going to kill you with it. I think that's a menacing gesture, even in I'm not going to do it. Well, I mean, she has this whole speech in advance, like, I could kill you. Especially when you find my bag of faces under the bed, I think, uh, you know, especially I caught you in my room also going through my bag of faces. And I got to say, I was a little less than impressed with the actual bag of faces that Arya carries around, like the Mission Impossible latex masks. (laughs) You know, I had said I had a theory that I would I like to think that the faceless person business, uh, Arya says she studied to be a faceless man. I really think, you know. Uh, I, I'm much more progressive than Ari. I call it a faceless person. And she's, I, I would like to think it would be like some sort of like a glamour of like, she wasn't like literally walking around with people's faces in a bag, but yet she actually is. And I, I don't know how they keep for so long. Yeah, and how you've got to create a new one for each person. I know I, it is cold in Winterfell. I think the tears are that first, right? You first, you need the mask and then you kind of have the magic. I, and Arya, you know, she's been doing it for a while, but she's not, maybe she's not like full magic. She needs to, she's still at that maybe mask level. What bothered me is that she just kept it in a bag on her floor, you know, I mean, well, maybe a little bit better hiding place. It's almost like she wanted Sansa to find it. And maybe she, she did. wanted to get caught. Well, maybe she did because she's just waiting there. And as soon as Sansa, that's the move in Winterfell this season. It's like you really you hide things in your room because, you know, people will find them like you want. Like, you know, someone will pick the lock and come in. That's where that the best place to hide something is in your room. So then people will come in and find it and then you can walk in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the Ar- Arya Sans thing, I get, and, and Littlefinger, hopefully, uh, I, I don't know, we get some, some, uh, this guy gets back in the right direction at some point this season. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't, I don't think this is off the rails as you do. I, I mean, I agree, got a little bit out of hand, but, uh, you know, these girls have been through a lot. I can forgive them their, their lunacy. Okay. Uh, Steven, so Tyrion and Danny had some interesting conversations uh, this week. Tyrion wants to know about the secession plan. And Danny, uh, right after he mentioned her bad temper, does not like talking about this. She's like, why? Why are you so interested in what happens after I die? And Steven, it, it got brought up in this episode. I really did not think that this was uh, a done deal. Danny cannot have children. And right. uh, luckily, I have the great Alex Kidwell here with me. And he explained it. Like, no, actually, it was the prophecy that after the blood magic, they said you'll never have a kid. I, is that, I mean, is she a, a doctor? Is, is that certified? I mean, I feel like, is she trying with, with Dario? Could we get a maester to confirm this? At least as it exists now, I think like it's been sort of accepted that she's now barren. There's no fertility magic. She's kind of said it, at least in the, in the book she has. I I'm, I'm, can't remember if she has in the show or not. Kind of confirmed that she knows she's barren. Now, that doesn't mean that through like whatever other magic, you know, the magic of love, perhaps, or like the magic of, you know, uh, incest with Jon Snow, uh, she, will, she will maybe be able to have some, some child through that way but it's been kind of a you know baseline sort of accepted you know that she truly is uh barren i i was a little surprised at Tyrion. i thought this was like you know i mean you're in the middle of a war don't be like well when you die i need to know who's next i mean it's, it's quite presumptuous <laughs> yeah, t- his timing wasn't great his yeah. timing was not really perfect on that 
it's, she's not even queen. It's, you don't even have to worry about uh, that until she actually is queen. And I mean, I get, you know, it's like, it's like estate planners, you know, they say, you know, everyone says make a will, even though no, you're not expecting to die, but mm-hmm. a, little, a little bit, a little bit much at this moment. Yeah. And Tyrion, I did not think necessarily uh, had the political capital to really be trying to like say, okay, we need to do this. We need to talk about this. I mean, he'd be on, he'd been on kind of a cult streak of late. So I feel like that he probably needed to just go along with whatever Danny was willing to do. Is Tyrion wrong about everything right now? Uh, what did he say? He said, don't go to the Night's King. Uh, Do nothing with his plan. I mean, yes, you lose Jon Snow, but you keep all the dragons. I mean, Jon Snow is not really part of the... I I guess it depends on how much you feel like that the the Night's King with a dragon. Are you better or worse if, like, the Night's King is sort of like this isolated threat north of the wall? Is he going to get a dragon eventually? Is it sort of like that... uh, Can we stop his dragon program before it gets off the ground? Or was it worse? to intervene and now he has his hands on a dragon Stephen. so i guess you're saying that it would have been better if danny hadn't gone john and everyone would have died yes you lose john snow but the knight's king now does not have a dragon right you keep a dragon and you don't give the knight's king a dragon well danny says it's better now that i've seen i mean mm. <sighs> you yeah. should go listen I, I mean you had some people saying like hey there's a knight's king he's a bad dude uh she's like well now that i've seen it with my own eyes i guess that was that was worth it to lose one of my uh dragon babies she could have done a flyover you know now that we know how well that's the thing that's so frustrating about the 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 whole situation and the whole plan to me is that oh now you just fly in on a dragon and check it out like i feel like that we could have really uh you know just you know gone this this whole plan uh of like let's go up there let's send our guys in there let's send them to go engage with the Night's King and then bring back a, uh, you know, a reanimated corpse and then we'll bring that back. I mean, this whole operation you could have done. Now, again, they, they don't know about the Night King has a harpoon, but that's being yeah. said, you know, that, that guy could have like uh, one of those dragons could have just come in, dive bombed one of those guys, picked them up with the claws, gotten the hell out of there and then drop that guy right off of the Red Keep. Yeah, I, I mean. Certainly, like going back a couple episodes, this this is uh, a lot of a lot of uh, mistakes along the way. Right. I mean, Monday morning quarterbacking for, uh, from us. But again, I think we kind of did say that in, uh, in, in the first guest as well. Monday uh, um, morning javelin throwing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Javelin coaching. Um, yeah. What, what uh, now the other, the other big conversation here between. Uh, Tyrion and Danny is about you know Danny's temperament you know and Tyrion is concerned that Danny is gonna go fly off the handle that Cersei she has the best temperament her. Danny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people say that yeah are you are you do you think Danny's gonna fly off the handle I mean she does have a history of setting fire to people who disagree with her. She does. I mean, could Jon Snow balance that out? I mean, could we see that temper? Although, you know, uh, actually, this is a good point that you're bringing up because we could see that temper if next week when we get this confrontation, it looks like we're going to have all of our players in King's Landing for this summit. And Tyrion was trying to sort of like get Danny prepared for, okay, my sister is going to make some remarks. And so is Cersei going to 
be, you know, with, you know, goblet of wine in hand. Is she going to maybe make, is she going to say something to Danny? And then Danny is going to then say something back to Cersei that's going to scuttle the whole truce. I mean, it does seem like that is going to be like the face off between these two really strong characters is going to be the biggest barrier What's it? What's the button to push with uh, with Danny? It's oh, 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 I know. Cersei's like, did you hear I'm pregnant? <laughs> oh, yeah. Too bad you can't have a kid. I mean, and it, Danny just wants everyone to bend the knee. You know, as if you're not bending the knee, she's mad. If you are bending the knee, she's all right with you. So you know, that, that's it. She's pretty binary in that way. Yeah. But Cersei's going to say she's going to like twist the knife a little bit on something. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, we, we were all doing the big head count for this episode we got to assume we're going to lose some major players next episode and if we don't i i'll be disappointed i mean also you know relieved but both both <laughs> yeah okay uh steven this is a question that i had during the episode uh, again uh, maybe a little nitpicky but lauren brings it up here not me seriously where did they get those chains to pull out the dragon? Oh, I mean, do is, is the Night's King so prescient that he was having the White Walkers lug these giant chains around? Uh, is there a giant maester in uh, north of the, the land of always winter? Is that where they got those from? Why do they have like uh, these uh, gigantic chains that like mere mortals would not even be able to move? Why? Yeah. Why do they have these uh, with them? I had the same, I mean, you know, sort of laughing question during during the episode. You know, of course. Uh, and a the, lot of them. They have a lot of them. The the, the whites also, you know, the, the whites have stuff, right? They've got like armor. I mean, you, you assume maybe these are warriors who've been reanimated. Uh, but they've got pretty decent supplies. Everyone goes into battle with a sword and a sword that is capable of doing battle with these northerners, right? Like you're seeing all mm-hmm. these sword clashes. These are not rusted ancient weapons. These are weapons that are holding up to like a full hammer swing, you know? So uh, they must have some kind of undead armor smith. Uh, Owen Adams uh, in, in the chat is saying that they have a Home Depot up north. That's very possible as well. Um, but it, Dominic know, it, says Amazon Prime Day. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they've got enough. Yeah, you know, they've got enough like basic, basic metal metallurgy to to get by. They couldn't have one giant also working on that. Also, I mean, I feel like you got to. We saw at least two zombie giants the last time we saw that Knights King army walking around. That uh, it feels like that that was a waste to not have any giants working on that job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they're the maybe they're the foreman. <laughs> maybe they're directing traffic. Yeah. All right, uh, Stephen. Any, anything else you want to touch on from the episode? And then let's take some of your questions as well. Uh, no, this was good. Oh yeah, you know what? Just. One one thing I th- I said last week they should have bedazzled their warhammers with dragon glass and they really should mm-hmm. why not just put some shards of dragon glass on a warhammer there was so much of it it seems yeah. like that they did not really prepare well for that uh, this was a great episode yeah. and again the Winterfell stuff aside that there was you know these great action sequences there were probably like six or seven like laugh out loud funny moments as well in this episode just from the dialogue of all of these great characters that we got to see interacting and it was just uh, really really fun to uh to visit i'm looking forward to uh re-watching this yeah. one during the week torment i don't think you're truly mean that you have sad eyes torment is quite you know he's, he's got the spirit of a poet i really uh 
Who knew? Yeah, he's deep. Uh, the Hound is really funny. Yeah. Hound had some like uh, really great lines as well. Just uh, that he, I mean, he's great with anybody. Yeah. All right, let's let's. Should we? You want to open it up to the questions? Yeah, I, I just wanted to add also the uh, like uh, he said with uh, with Beric Dondari and uh, Beric says to the Hound, uh, uh, "We'll meet again." And he's like, "God, I hope not." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's <just> really. <laughs> It's really great. Okay. Uh, Lauren says, hey, look, Hound is going to King's Landing. Do you Uh-oh. think, Stephen, could we get yeah. the Clegane Bowl coming up next week? Is that possible? I, it doesn't have to be next week. I definitely think we're getting Clegane Bowl. I mean, Josh Wiggler is, you know, 100% on Clegane Bowl. And when Josh Wiggler is 100%, I'm just going to be feel very safe uh, following in, in his shadow, except about, obviously, Barrick and Darian dying. Okay. All right. Uh, Steven, do you want to call your shot here uh, one week from now? Who are we losing? I don't. I don't. I don't. Let's like, I, I want to discuss, though. I, I am willing to discuss. Okay. We'll talk about that on the feedback show, certainly this week. But really, 80-minute episode coming up next week. You would expect that we will get some major character deaths coming up in next week's episode as we head into the end game. Only six episodes left after next week of the entire series. And we have not really lost any any major, major players here in season seven. So I, I think we would expect probably a high body count coming up now. We lost a lot of red shirts tonight, Stephen. And this was a little frustrating for me in the snow where I was watching the episode and then, you know, you would see a guy go down like, oh, who was that guy? Who was that guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nobody, nobody, nobody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Alex said, no, it was, it was just another red shirt. Yeah. Just another red shirt. It was uh, nobody, nobody important. Nobody important that died. I mean, I came into the season being certain that Cersei was going to uh, die in the last episode of the season. Now I'm pretty sure she's not going to die, right? Like, No, I, I don't think yeah. so. I, I think she's making think it so. into the into the the back the back six steven play your flag on this do we get any other business with the knight's king coming up in next week's episode or is it all dealing with the political drama king's landing like are we done with north of the wall in next week's episode i also thought i think that it's very possible the wall might come down you know i think you you know to end this season on some big cataclysm like that that would that leads into those final six episodes i think that would be a big big moment um, and a really exciting tease into the into the final six episodes. So the wall coming down, like if, if I predict, were to predict any one thing, that would be it. All right. Uh, so, Stephen, one week from tonight, you and I will be back together. Uh, it's an 80 minute episode. So figure sometime around 1030 or so you and I will be able to uh, begin to dissect everything that happened in the Game of Thrones season finale. Very exciting. And of course, uh, we will have zero. You know, it, it takes like a minute just to process everything that's happening. Yeah, so. it's very hard to do the show right after the episode like we do. That's why, uh, luckily, uh, we have a couple other shows during the week to talk about it. But you're, you're at a disadvantage. You only get to talk about it now. Yeah. yeah so I look, I, I look as dumb as I possibly could. Well, I, I do. It's possible. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, let's take uh, a few questions. Lauren wants to know, uh, where in the heck is Euron? I mean, Euron came on so strong in the first half of the season, and then he's really disappeared since the midpoint, and we just have not seen him. Do you expect to see Euron in the season finale? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, Euron was sold to us as his like, big new villain. As you're saying, he came on the big bad of the season. The big bad of the season. Uh, he came on so strong. The new Ramsey's Bolton. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, crazy battle episode. He charges into battle. 
very little even in the ne- subsequent episode you had that kind of thing with you know it looked like there might be some kind of alliance with him and Cersei then he disappears and I mean we have to see him in some way is Euron going to die uh, next week I don't know necessarily like what fleet is there to battle him. It seems like that he is going to be, uh, you know, seafaring. There's not a lot of ships left to take him on. Like Danny has a couple of ships, but I don't expect a naval battle. Do you? Uh, no, no, I don't expect a naval battle. I, I mean, I'm sure we'll see Euron next week. You know, does he make it? Out? Like he'll be at the summit. Do you think? Yeah, I, I would actually. I, I would have expected Euron to die at the end of the season if he truly were the, had been the big bad of the season. Now him dying next episode would just almost be like, okay, oh, great, there he goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what do you What do you think? Yeah, I think we probably get in there as part of like I think on one side I think we'll we'll get like every like you know we'll get you know Tyrion and Danny and John on 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 one side of the aisle and then we'll have Cersei and Jamie and Euron and sort of like uh you know we'll have most of our principals in one place at one time I think in next week's episode yeah I, I absolutely Varys was also absent absent tonight. Yeah, we did see uh, Varys very briefly in the in the preview for next episode. So he'll be there. Uh, you know, Theon will be there. It, it looks like uh, all the basically every human except maybe Sansa and Arya and, and Littlefinger are going to be. Really, you think this is the place for Littlefinger, right? If Littlefinger has like, why is Littlefinger like not going to this big conclave? Like that's where Littlefinger needs to be. Yeah, I, why he's uh, farting around in the north and what his end game is. It's just it's so frustrating for us to see Littlefinger. And we know that he is like this operator and he's calculated. He's working on something, but it's just the point where it's just like, OK, he's like crunching numbers. But it's like, well, wh- what is it supposed to be? He's yeah. like been like making this balloon animal for a year. And we're like, oh, is it a dog? Uh, uh, and he's adding more stuff to it. But it's again, it's not making any sense. You, you have know? like the greatest political manipulator in the show devoting his entire uh, skill set to making two teenage sisters fight with each other. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's. uh yeah, an underwhelming, you know, uh, uh, yeah. assignment for Littlefinger. Okay, Stephen, what's the hashtag tonight? Oh, I, I mean, I think you have to do white knuckle, white knuckle, or what, what did you like? What did white, you like? White knuckle. What about something with the chains? Oh yeah, what, what were the good chains ones? I'll let the chat uh, contemplate it for a moment. Of course, so uh, I'll be back with Josh Wiggler uh, to record Monday afternoon. We'll get that up by Monday night on our deep dive, and Josh will make sense of everything that we were too stupid to figure out in this episode on Monday. And then we'll get into your feedback show coming up on Wednesday. So get your emails and voicemails into us. You can email us, G-O-T, at postshowrecaps.com and postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail to leave us a message. Okay, uh, we've got some hashtag chain, 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 hashtag Home Depot North, hashtag <laughs> Dragon Depot, uh, hashtag Blue Eye Dragon, hashtag uh, Benjamania. <laughs> I like Benjamin X Machina. Uh, Benjamin X Machina. Okay, there you go. Right. Uh, I don't know if anybody could spell that, no, but let's there you do, go. Let's do, we can do Home Depot North. Home Depot North. All right, there you go. All right, so great stuff, Stephen Fishback. You can follow Stephen Fishback at Stephen Fishback on Twitter. Stephen, do you tweet a lot about Game of Thrones? I try to tweet during the episodes. Uh, is, that, is that bad form? Like, are you not supposed to tweet during the episodes? Do you tweet spoilers? I mean, uh, no, no. 
Yes, yes, no. okay. Um, do you, I mean, do you tweet like, but can't believe that so, the so-and-so character died, uh, like uh, Thoros of Mir, good to know you. No, 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 nothing like that, nothing like that. Okay, Stephen, did you watch the uh, episode for the first time tonight? A spoiler, it's like, oh my God, how dare you tell me that there's a bat? You did know? you get spoiled on anything with the uh, the leaked episode? Now, this was, I guess, uh, not technically a leak. This was yeah. that HBO in Spain aired this episode like on Monday. And then a yeah. lot of people uh, watched it online beforehand. Did you get to did you watch it ahead of time? I, I did not see anything, actually. Uh, no, no texts. Or, I, I would not. I have no problem with the, uh, the idea of watching it ahead of time. Yeah, I didn't. I tried to my, like, I guess there's like two plans here. Just like sort of like retreat and like get as far away from it as you can or like try to go all in like okay well i better watch it before i get spoiled i i did a i decided to just like try to avoid any sort of places i might go where people could be talking about it and i was lucky that you know we live in such a politically charged time that my twitter was just all politics and so luckily i did not see anything it was the one with the one week where it's like good oh you know thank goodness uh that uh politics is so crazy because it kept Even people the from- episode, it used to be that like during a game of thrones episode every tweet was about about uh game of thrones and now it's you know still i look for the silver lining in in the world Stephen. i say oh see <laughs> you know it's a good thing we yeah. live in politically charged times because then <laughs> there's as much as you know so many fewer game of thrones <laughs> like uh the, the the spoiler tweets for game of thrones are so diluted so yeah. that's the positive okay all right Stephen. great stuff looking forward to talking to you next sunday night for the season finale take care everybody have a good one bye bye